Welcome to Cancel Culture, the Business of Law podcast brought to you by Byfield. Welcome back to Cancel Culture, the Business of Law podcast. Uh, ben is back on air this week. Hello, Ben. How are you? I'm good, Meg. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. It's been a very busy week. Uh, we're getting getting geared up for the IBA in a couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah, exciting times. Um, but um, I think uh, b- before we start, I don't know if you wanted to kind of, yeah, address the, the kind of wider global situation. I think it's the right thing to do, isn't it? We said in the podcast last week that we huge had a huge acknowledgement that anything that we were talking about paled into insignificance. Uh, compared to the awful events going on in the Middle East. And if anything, that's intensified this week. So again, every comms person that I've spoken to, every client um, and, and, and contact has been really, really focused on getting this right. Uh, and that's absolutely the, you know, the, 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 the right thing to do. It's been, you know, terribly difficult for every firm. I'm sure that every listener, it, it, you know, in any law firm knows people or they themselves are directly affected, perhaps knowing someone that's 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 passed away or, or, or really struggled in the region. And we're really, really aware of that. And we kind of don't think it's particularly appropriate or right to start, start talking about, you know, communications in relation to uh, the situation there in terms of a podcast. We always try and be informative, but we also try and have a little bit of fun as well. And that's certainly not a subject that's, you know, in any way to be taken lightly. No, for sure. Um, on that note, uh, probably the biggest news in the legal, legal industry this year, I broke last Friday. Uh, so A&O Sherman is happening. Uh, the partners voted uh, for the merger last week um, at 99%. So this is going to create a $3.5 billion firm, I think it was. Um, so yeah, I mean, after, you know, the year has been pretty much dominated by this news. Um, so uh, it's good to see that it's coming to, well, the, the beginning of the, the, the end of the beginning, actually. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't know if you wanted to offer any thoughts on that at all so far. Well, it's good that we've got here, isn't it? I mean, everybody yeah. has been waiting for the, the for the result of the vote, which I think everybody, there's, nobody's going to be surprised that it's gone through. But it was really fantastic news, wasn't it, last Friday? Uh, you know, unless you have a particular... Uh, agenda i think everybody wants it to happen and is excited about it just because of what it signifies a really really big transatlantic merger for those of us in the uk it's great to see that the magic uh, a magic circle firm and we'll get to the concept of the magic circle in a minute i, I suspect but doing a a, a, a fabulous deal I, I really in terms of all the column inches that were written um i probably spent the most time looking at Jonathan's piece in the Times today, uh, which he, he raises some punchy, but I think quite good questions. And he says, if you kind of take the gloss of the two brand names away, you're left with a firm that is not that different from a constitutional size and other perspectives than, than, than others from yeah. transatlantic mergers over the years. And that's a really good point. And it goes on to say that, you know, it's not necessarily going to be a hundred percent happy ending for everybody concerned. You know, there may be casualties of partners leaving, of remuneration issues and all sorts of stuff. And he talks about the merger between Clifford Chance and Rogers, Rogers and Wills, which is even before my time in, in, in the sector in 2000 and looking at some of the issues on the US side there. And it's really worth reading actually for, for, for everybody to have a look at that. And, you know, it's not necessarily going to be completely smooth. For, 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 you know, for the combined firm. But it feels like there's a lot of goodwill 
towards it, doesn't there? Yeah, I think there is. Um, I think that's right. Um, and I mean, it looks like they want to get this, like to get the first step started pretty quickly because I think um, they, they want to integrate uh, at least partially by May. Uh, and they're looking to do it before, which uh, is, you know, really, really fast when you think about it. There's so much to go through. So, um, yeah, I think, I mean, I think the next few years will be quite critical. I think the first five years of a merger are quite critical for to see if it's working out, I think. Um, so, yeah, I mean, well done to them. Um, let's see what comes next, really. I think everyone will be looking at um, both firms and, and the new merge firm very, very closely and how they're getting on and, you know, what kind of work they'll be doing. Um, it's got momentum, hasn't it? You know, they are both acutely aware of merge, having been both through, both been through, sorry, recent merger discussions, which haven't necessarily ended the way that they would want. AMO and ML veneer for years back and uh, obviously Shearman and Hogan levels much more, much more recently. So they, 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 I think those two situations have given both sides extra impetus to get the thing done and they're moving in the right direction. And I think they're probably now just completely focused on getting it over the line because they're still in the period where things might start to wobble and it's always to do with remuneration at partner level, isn't it? In some yeah. shape or form, yeah. pension liabilities, what, what, whatever it might be. And the longer the period between now and completion is, the more chance some of that stuff has of, of, of creeping. And I think both sides are aware of that and they're controlling the narrative really well. For sure. Uh, and I guess it's uh, officially the, the nail in the coffin for the magic circle term. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, it's quite interesting. I mean, that's, this has been a debate for so many years um, around whether this term is, e- is even relevant anymore. Well, I guess now it definitely isn't. So, um, yeah, uh, really, really interesting times ahead. I'd like to see what the other kind of magic circle firms will be doing, um, because we know that, you know, at least Linklater's and Freshfields have some ambitions also in the US, but they've not got quite the strategy there yet. I mean, Freshfields has done, have had some really great hires in recent years, but, you know, not in the scale of going through a whole merger. So, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see what the reaction on that side will be. And if, if anyone will kind of try to do something similar, I guess if they see this is working out in five years time, they might consider it. So, yeah, really, really interesting times ahead. Absolutely. And I think you absolutely got the nuance right you know, the end of the magic circle um, feels a very dramatic way of describing it, but really it's just the term doesn't feel particularly relevant anymore, does it? It just, it hasn't been for years, right? So, you know, um, what does that even mean? <laughs> do you know what I mean? I feel like a lot of, you know, silver circle firms, how do you measure success really? Like it's, it's, it's quite different from firm to firm. So I just don't think these categories quite help no I, I i i agree and as i'm sure we're going to talk about with at least one other story coming up we do like to analyze ourselves don't we and badge and group and all that kind of stuff and it's pretty entertaining yeah but yeah i think I, th- I think i think we can confidently say in a non-dramatic way that the magic circle just feels a bit outdated as a, as a term yeah definitely which brings us into uh, another interesting story that came out this week about KPMG's legal arm that is about to reach um, 100 mil uh, in revenue in the UK, which is, you know, it's great. Uh, I mean, it's, it's really interesting because I remember when I started my career as a journalist, 
the whole debate around, you know, are, you know, the, the legal arms of the big four going to, you know, take over, you know, the entire legal industry. There were so many kind of debates around that. I mean, I don't think we're quite there yet, <laughs> but um, there is certainly like some improvement uh, on that side. And um, it just shows that there's an appetite for their services and there's a clientele that really trusts them. And it's interesting even to me that, people still trust them given all the kind of woes that have been happening recently around auditing failures, but they're able to kind of still want to have their services for legal. So it's just really interesting. I'd be really keen to see what type of clients they act for, what kind of strategy they have around the the work they want to bring in um, and, and who considers them like a real competitor now. Um, I don't know. Any thoughts? Yeah, a few. So I've, I've been in and around the sector for, gosh, I hate to say it, but probably around 20, 20 years. And the rumours, not rumours, sorry, it's a bad choice of words, but sort of the feeling of big four coming in and eating the lunch of the big firms has played out in different ways, um, usually over a kind of three, three or four-year increments where it's suddenly a burst of activity, and we're currently in one now. And it always feels a little bit different. And you have to take a step back and the, ask the questions you just asked: Is what uh, what have big what has what have the big four got in terms of in their brand and in their armory to be able to compete with law firms? And you, I, I think you look at it in the following ways: One, obviously, is scale. Even if you take the biggest of global law firms, they are tiny yeah. compared to KPMG, PwC, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So the scale of these firms is, you know, dwarfs anything that uh, the legal sector can, can can offer. I mean, it really does. So there's that. But also, they're you know they are hugely sort of directed towards being able to handle complex projects. Yeah. From an out, be it outsourcing, be it technology, or anything else. So processes process mapping, all that kind of stuff, that they, they are absolutely very, very, very uh, equipped to challenge law firms for that type of work, particularly those with an international element, given the vast scale that we've already touched on. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not going to cause blushes by naming names, but the, the type of work and the type of firms where, you know, KPMG Law, Deloitte Legal and others will be targeting is those firms that are focused on sort of outsourcing and technology projects. You know, I don't think high-end litigation, stroke investigations, or big ticket M and A is particularly going to be under threat from the big four. But I think that kind of long-standing, really techie nuggety projects that some firms really specialise in—that's yeah. the work that they're probably coming after with this latest um, latest push. And you know, despite having big brands. Um, you know, there is only, I think, KPMG legal. Uh, sorry, it's only Deloitte legal that's actually in the top 50 by, by revenue. Yeah. Isn't it? I think that's yeah. right. And maybe there to be corrected. So it's not as if they are, you know, knocking on the door of the no. top 20 and, you know, bashing their way into the silver circle or anything like that. They're still yeah. reasonably small, particularly when you consider the vast nature of the businesses that surround them. Yeah, definitely. about the big four um there was an interesting survey coming out of pwc this week uh which was picked up by the ft um so the survey said that basically um law firms are concerned about kind of um overheads kind of rising and inflation 
while the billable hours are falling, pretty much. That was the gist of the entire article. There's other kind of worries around cybersecurity and whatnot and the, the general kind of economic environment worldwide, I guess. Um, you know, but apparently, yeah, the, the, the biggest concern was really about, you know, yeah, you 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 overhead. So it's it's um, I just I just thought it was really interesting. I mean, um, they had a they had a figure in there saying that um, chargeable hours had fallen by eight point three percent for equity partners at some of the biggest firms, which doesn't seem like much, but it actually is when when you think that these are you know people that usually you know are your top billers. Um, so it, it's a significant amount of kind of money um, yeah. when you think about it. Um, so it is kind of worrying. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Well, my first thought was taking a step back. and th- th- Everybody should read this survey because it is one survey that every law firm contributes to. Even those firms, again, without naming names, that don't necessarily want to give lots of data uh, to, to, you know, to providers. They do for this one. And, and, and that's important. Therefore, everybody should look at it. It's very, very robust piece of work, and it's been out every year for a good, good number of years. Uh, yeah, I mean, you only have to look out of the window. Things are tightening a little bit. The economy is, you know, we've got still got inflationary pressures. Yeah. It's, inflation is proving very stubborn to, to to get down. We've even seen data, I think, today or yesterday, which has shown that it's still surprisingly holding up. At a, you know, at a, at, a, at a difficult level. So I don't think anything in here is going to surprise anybody at no. all, really. Uh, you know, again, you only have to look at some of the results that were posted this year, yeah. and even some of the US numbers in London at the end of end of last year. I don't think anything around, you know, sort of um, slight slowdown in, in, in fees, etc., is going to surprise anybody. And you know, if you if you, if you're highly acquisitive businesses in terms of people, then you spent the last three years. You know, enticing associates to your business with really big salaries, etc., and really stuffing up at a rate of knots. You got to deal with it when things slow down a little bit, don't you? For sure. I mean, look. I mean, deal flow has been slowing down for like what two years now. Um, you know, they've made a slew of hires across yeah levels, and and it's just really difficult to cope with when you no longer have as much work. <laughs> so, um, I mean, the one thing, the one thing I, I, you know, you've always got to look for positive things. And, the, you know, the big ticket transactional work rules that are going on currently in our market here in London, particularly amongst the big US firms, we should all feel a bit optimistic about that. That yeah. people are actually hiring big transactional lawyers who are going to be on, you know, pretty decent big packages and are going to be wanting those at their new firms. For you sure. should still to see the worth in hiring those now yeah. shows that there is stuff out there. It's just yeah. a case of finding it, I guess. Yeah, and, and I guess they're probably thinking, you know, like things will pick up. And I mean, look, we're, we're seeing things already, you know, IPOs are coming back in the US, which is good because it means that at some point, if not in 2024, then 2025, it will come back in Europe and, and the UK. And, you know, so, so you got to prepare for that. You can't just be idle, I guess. Um, so it makes a lot of sense, but... Yeah, uh, I was quite surprised by those figures, to be honest. Um, and and for, like later on in the article, yeah, they, they talk about um, how AI might kind of some some people see it as a threat in the industry, whereas others see it as an opportunity. I mean, it kind of just stresses the importance of of, of this discussion still, even though I hate it <laughs> uh, uh, in this industry where people really are kind of 
considering using it to kind of potentially maybe not replace, but kind of help with their own overheads at the moment, at least. Um, it's interesting. We come in, you know, in November in like two, three weeks time, there's an AI summit where potential new regulations in the UK will be potentially announced. Um, so it's, it's just really relevant at the moment. Uh, I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. I get really frustrated at this slight sense that law firms are being a bit slow to capitalise on, on AI. Um, it annoys me a bit. And, you know, even in the, the PwC survey, where it says, I'm quoting the FT here, Susie's piece, artificial intelligence is being discussed widely as a way to become more efficient. But but the survey found that few to date have taken any me- meaningful steps, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you've only got to rewind back to 2016 and 2017, where law firms were embracing AI processes around due diligence and things like e-discovery, et cetera, in a massive way. And, you know, having been at Saul Tremaine at the time, uh, who, who created, helped create Luminance, uh, was, was truly innovative and disruptive at the time. And yeah. I think law firms were seen as being ahead of the curve in terms of AI before it was widely fashionable and such a massive thing. So I think there's a huge amount of credit in the bank there that firms have, which seems to be forgotten a bit at the moment. Uh, so I think they've earned the right to be taking their time because they know what they're doing. Yeah. I would hope so anyway. Well, yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> to our last story of the day um, also related to tech so this is a great transition um, Catherine Baxi had a, had a story uh, in Times Law today about uh, the Microsoft takeover of um, Activision which was uh, approved by the CMA um, last week so um, huge huge news I mean it's 69 billion uh, is it billion yeah billion dollars <laughs> Um so it's, it is a big deal. Um, what are your thoughts here? Because you had some really interesting things to say before we record. Yeah, well, before everybody switches off thinking I'm about to go into a lot of analysis around competition, don't worry, I'm not. <laughs> I think what's what I like about Catherine's story today and consistent with all the coverage of, of this uh, referral, uh, sorry, not referral, but the, the, the whole issue with the CMA, et cetera, on this deal, is the nature of the firms that are quoted. And it's... It's the one area, isn't it, competition law, where you don't necessarily see the big, uh, pardon, the, pardon the phrase, but magic circle firms, big US firms necessarily quoted. And I think that's for a variety of reasons, not least if there's a hint of a competition referral. It's clearly work out there and people don't want to uh, burn their bridges, as it were, from getting that work. But I think it's more than that, and I never quite understood why. If you look at Catherine's story today, there's some great comments in there from, from smaller firms. And I think people should feel encouraged about that who are in comms in law firms that, you know, when there is a competition angle, uh, people want to hear from a whole variety of firms. Much tougher in mainstream M&A when you've got like, you know, the half year stats, the quarterly stats, you're going to see your Sultra Mays, your Scaddens, your Freshfields, yeah. et cetera, your K&E, your, your Lathams quoted in there understandably but this is different and and i think you know for 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 law firm prs whether you're an agency or whether you're in-house look for those competition stories because often they're written about you were making this point when we were chatting earlier by tech correspondents or whatever sector is being caught is 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 the the deal in question or the thing in question is, is 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 part of those journalists are not necessarily obviously catherine's a legal journalist and those industry backwards but 
they're not necessarily going to be written by those that have an encyclopedic knowledge of the legal market, yeah, yeah. the legal 500 in front of them. So there's a huge opportunity there to get some really good stuff in. So yeah, for law, law firm PRs, look at the, look for those competition stories. It'd be really interesting actually to look at all the coverage of um, of this deal over the last whatever however many months it's, this has been rumbling for, and have to do a bit of analysis as who's been quoted. I think people will be quite surprised. Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. I mean, look, I mean, I think partners would want to say something about this for sure. Uh, but I feel like it's probably because the clients are so high end and probably don't want them to be speaking, mentioning their name anywhere, <laughs> uh, even in a positive way that, you know, um, this is probably the biggest barrier, especially for a client like Microsoft. Um, the big tech guys are usually like that, aren't they? So um, it's, yeah, it's interesting, not too surprising, but it's. I do think that there's a way for for people to still be able to comment on these things without, you know, necessarily commenting about the particular situation, which I think a lot of, you know, lawyers are quite risk averse to, and I understand it, I really do, but I still think there are ways to go around things um, that that can be possible, and one should shouldn't just limit themselves just because a client or potential client might be named in a piece. Um, so yeah, um, just really interesting thoughts uh, for, for, from the PR front here. Um, but anyway, this is our last uh, story of the day. So we'll be back next week for another episode. Um, feel free to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple and Google podcasts. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks. been listening to council culture the business of law podcast brought to you by byfield thanks for listening don't forget to subscribe and join us again next week we'll be discussing some more of the biggest stories in the legal sector